Thanks for listening. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one coaching with Dr. Lodi, please visit drsudliff.com. I am an American board certified OBGYN, a mom, a Muslim, and I'm talking about sex. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Welcome to the Muslim Sex Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Sada Flodi, here with my sister, Rafia Lodi. And this episode is everything you need to know about hypoactive sexual desire disorder. Before I get into it, the first thing I want to make very clear is that I'm not giving any kind of religious or medical advice. So if you are seeking medical advice, please go see your healthcare provider. And if you have any questions about your religion, please speak with your friendly neighborhood religious leader. This is the Muslim Sex Podcast because I'm a Muslim woman that just happens to talk about sex. Okay, so Raf, today we are going to talk about hypoactive mm-hmm. sexual desire disorder. Okay, so tell me, first of all, what is it? Yeah, so actually this desire disorder is on the DSM, which is a diagnostic um, criteria that's used in psychiatry. And the hypoactive sexual desire disorder basically refers to, it's like a fancy way of saying that a woman has low libido and or, you know, decreased desire in sex. Typically, that actually, you know, for some women, that's actually not a problem. I mean, some women are not interested. And so if it's not causing them distress, it's not a big deal. But for other women that it does cause distress, then it becomes a problem. And this disorder needs to be, well, is diagnosed once it's been about six months. So once that, once a woman experiences decreased desire for about six months, then um, and it's affecting their life. So that's the other key thing with this diagnosis is that it has to be distressing to them. It has to be affecting their life, and uh, it has to be something that they want and are not able to achieve. So, do you think this um, culture has a lot to do with it as well? Absolutely, a hundred percent. So, you know this. Basically, when I did my research on this topic, it was with the American College of OBGYNs. They put out like this additional CME and the article is came out in February 2015. And, you know, they address it in a complete way. So in a holistic way, such as dealing with the biopsychosocial aspect of it. Right. So it's not only are there, there can be some biological components, but there can also be some psychological components and also some cultural and social aspects of it. Exactly what you're talking about. So definitely culture, um, the religion that you grow up in, the society that you've been raised in, you know, of course, that has a lot to do with it as well. Right. So if you're raised to not really think about sex or not to desire it or think that it's not something that's important to uh, your health or your mental well-being, then, you know, maybe it's something that you just don't prioritize and it's not a big deal for you, right? Especially for South Asians, you know, we're South Asian, so it's a taboo to talk about sex, right? Absolutely. So if it's not talked about, then it doesn't give it that importance. 
Exactly, exactly. And so we'll get into that a little bit, but yeah, absolutely. So that is definitely one of the biggest things, right, um, that can result in decreased desire. And, you know, a woman may not even know that she has that, right? Because if it was never given the importance, it's just something maybe that she never even thinks about. And so, you know, the fact that she has decreased desire is something that is not really a concern for her, right? So I'm just going to talk a little bit about kind of what the prevalence is, how, you know, how common is it for someone to have this or common it is like in society um, for us to see that. So about 40% of women can experience some type of sexual problem throughout their life, right? And this desire disorder actually occurs about 12% um, in the population, but, you know, it's probably even more than that, right? And we only know about those statistics based on if people are telling us about it. Right. But if people aren't talking about it, then we it may actually be higher. Yeah, not a lot of people talk about it. Right. So if if physicians are not asking the right questions, then they're not going to get the answers that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. And so what happens is that a lot of women will go and speak to their OBGYN. But what happens is that when they go to the office, right, the OBGYN may not have the time and they may be rushing to go from patient to patient and may not give it the importance that it needs. Yeah. And the patient might not know how to bring it up either. Right. Right. So what I think we should just kind of talk about a little bit is, you know, what is it that may cause um, this decreased desire, right? And one of the important things is as we age, we need more uh, stimulation. We need more, um, as we age, we also, what happens is that our desire actually goes down. And this is most prevalent in middle-aged women. Uh, where the desire goes down. And that is probably because of the estrogen that decreases, right? We're going through that perimenopause phase. So the estrogen in our body is going down. And sometimes intercourse can be uncomfortable. Some women can have vaginal dryness. Uh, they can have pain with the intercourse. And so those things, right? If a woman is interested in sex, but is having pain with intercourse, then she's definitely not going to desire something that causes her yeah. pain. She'll stay away from it. Right. So that could be some of the reasons why women, you know, in this age range experience a decreased desire. Also, we have some things such as um, the genital sensation may change, right? So requiring a stronger and longer stimulation to achieve arousal. So that may be also one of the problems with, um, or one of the reasons why a woman may experience low desire. You know, and sometimes what physicians, because we're so busy in the practices, we may not realize is that medications that patients are on. So, for example, if they are diabetic or hypertensive, they have high blood pressure and they're on something called a calcium channel blocker or uh, ACE inhibitor. These are medications that people with high blood pressures commonly take, and those can also result in decreased desire. So that's important to know. Diabetes, long-standing diabetes that is not well controlled can affect sensation. And so also that can result in decreased desire. So it's important for the physician to look at all of these different things that are happening in a woman's life. And as we go through the different stages in our life and what may be affecting desire. Uh, Not only that, um, the psychological effects 
in um, that we look at when we talk about the biopsychosocial aspects of this decreased desire is that some women have depression, some women have anxiety. And so that may also be affecting their interest in intercourse and attributing to their decreased desire. Some of the medications also that women take for depression, uh, for example, some uh, class of medications called SSRIs, such as Zoloft or Prozac and things like that can also affect a libido. So that's important to know. And that's why it's important to go over the medications that a woman is currently taking with their provider to know whether or not those medications may be affecting their desire and their libido. Um, there is a medication for depression that we use sometimes, and that's called Wellbutrin or Bupropion. And that actually, that medication has been shown to actually increase desire. So that may be uh, an answer to a woman that is experiencing depression and has low desire. If, if she is able to go on to a different medication, uh, that such as Wellbutrin, that medication can actually increase her desire. So how much does stress play into this as well? Well, of course. So, you know, if a woman is, has, is experiencing financial difficulty, stress, if her relationship with her uh, spouse is strained, she's definitely not going to feel a desire right? Yeah. So to have intercourse or to be intimate with her partner. So that is also something that uh, can definitely be a stressor on, of course, a marriage and, of course, a relationship in the bedroom. Other things like we talked about before are the cultural aspects. So we talked about, you know, the social, the religious, the morals, the values, right? And all of those things can negatively affect women if it's something that is not prioritized in their culture or something that is seen negatively. So in some cultures, um, not only is sex not talked about, but it's seen as um, something that um, is not talked about and something that is just not given a priority, right? So if we're not making it a priority and it's just not a concern, then definitely libido will not be, it may be affected, but it just may not be something that's that important to that woman, right? Yeah. Also, what is an important aspect of questioning and screening for women is to ask them how they feel about their sex life. And some women may be too embarrassed to even talk about it, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's a sense of embarrassment, shame, um, the other things that may not uh, help is their perception of what decreased libido is and the importance of it. And you know, if it's just not a priority, then they're not going to prioritize it in their life. So there's different types of screenings that a physician can ask. There's a, a validated screening called the decreased sexual desire screener that some physicians can use in their offices to screen women and decide whether or not they have a decreased libido and a low desire. And again, it's not a something that is um, a concern unless it is for the woman, right? So if she's not bothered by it, it's not it's not an issue. Again, you know, we talk about medication and the different medications. And actually what's interesting is that birth control pills, so oral contraceptives can also cause a decreased desire and libido. So that's important um, to know and also to discuss with your uh, physician or your, you know, your nurse practitioner, whoever you go see is the medication 
you're taking to prevent pregnancy may also be affecting your libido. So that's, you know, an interesting aspect and something that we overlook sometimes as physicians. Other things that could also affect is, for example, like we talked a little bit about um, vaginal dryness, right? We also talk about um, the pelvic floor muscles. So sometimes women have what's called vaginismus, where is it's like this involuntary contraction of the outer portion of their vagina so that they anticipate pain. And so as soon as they anticipate pain, those muscles in uh, that are surrounding the vagina, they tighten up and so that they have painful intercourse, right? So that, of course, is going to also lead to decreased libido because if they're, if the woman is anticipating pain, there's no reason that she would desire it. It's a psychological block almost where she's anticipating something bad's going to happen and she just, her body reacts to it. Right. Of course. Of course. Yep. And so that is also something that can, that needs to be evaluated and discussed with uh, the OB and so that, um, you know, the OB can help a woman out. And also there's something called pelvic floor prolapse. So basically where the things, for example, like the uterus start to come out, right? And that can be where the, where the ligaments that hold up the uterus become a little bit lax, right? They kind of loosen up. And that can be with pushing um, during a delivery, during vaginal deliveries. Um, and even some women that have had C-sections will notice that they start to get a little bit of prolapse where the, or where the uterus starts to fall a little bit into the vagina. Also, there's something called uh, cystocele where the, the bladder starts to come into the vagina or a rectocele where the rectum starts to come bulge a little bit into um, the vagina. All of these things can definitely affect uh, whether or not a woman desires to have intercourse. So that's why it's so important to go and be checked out uh, by your physician or your healthcare provider so that they can get to the root cause, right? And it's all about getting to the root cause of whatever it is that's uh, maybe leading to this decreased desire. So is there a difference between HSDD and a low sex drive? Yes and no. I mean, a woman can have a low sex drive and it doesn't cause any problems, right? HSDD is only, so the hypoactive sexual desire disorder only becomes a problem if it's a problem for the woman. And if it's gone on for more than six months, right? If it's causing distress and problems in that relationship, then it becomes a problem. But it's otherwise, it's not a problem if it's not a problem for the woman. Okay. It could become a problem for the husband then, you know, or their significant other if she does have it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely right. Decreased desire and libido is absolutely puts a strain onto a relationship. And that's where we have mismatched libidos, right? So if uh, your partner wants to have intercourse or has a higher libido than the other partner, then that can cause a lot of friction in that relationship. Are there any treatments for this disorder? There is. So there are two uh, medications that came out recently um, for decreased desire in women. And um, both of them are prescription only. One of them is an injection. Another one is an oral tablet. So uh, both of those medications help with desire and decreased uh, libido in women. And because they're prescription, you need to go to your healthcare provider to get 
medication prescribed. But again, like we talked about before, right? So it's not just an easy fix. It's not just like, you know, you get pills and all of a sudden you'll be better. They're calling that the female Viagra. What needs to be addressed is, of course, going back to the root cause, right? Is it a biological issue that's causing the problem? Is it a psychological? Is it a social issue? And what is it? And by getting to that root cause, then that is what will really help um, the woman in terms of figuring out her decreased desire, the decreased libido, and what she can do to improve that. Like, how do I know, like, I need to get treated for this? So the way that you would know is if it's causing you distress, right? If you're, if you want to be intimate, if you want to have more of a, a sexual relationship with your partner, you know, and you're not able to, and you just never feel the desire to have any, um, then you need to go and see your provider and be evaluated. And especially if it's been gone on for going on for a long time, mm. so then that's when you would go and be evaluated. So is there a difference with HSTD and being asexual? Yeah, asexual is also something where, you know, a person has no desire, right? But that's something that they already know. So hypoactive sexual desire disorder happens when, say, a person had a normal libido and desire before, and all of a sudden something has happened, and now it's starting to cause a strain and uh, friction in their relationship and it's affecting them. And, you know, it's been going on for a long time. Asexual is when somebody has no desire, but they know that. And that's the way they've always been. And it's not causing them distress. That's just who they are as a person. And so they would go into a relationship, letting somebody know that this is who I am right? I don't have any desire. This is uh, for intercourse. It's just who I've always been. It doesn't cause me a problem. If it's going to cause you a problem in this relationship, then it's probably best that we don't come together, mm -hmm. right? That we, yeah. you know, um, don't have a relationship together because if somebody is asexual, then that's the way they've always been. Right. So they don't find any issue with it at all, but other people, their partner definitely would have an issue with something like that if there's, you know, that's what they want in a relationship. Right. If they want to be in, intimate, if they want to have intercourse and if they have a, you know, a higher libido, then that's probably not the person for them. Right. And those are really important conversations to have before you get into a relationship with a person. And, you know, being from a South Asian community, we don't have those type of discussions, no. right? I mean, you don't find out something like that, <laughs> that, that intimate uh, about somebody until after you're married, <laughs> after you're married. So that, that can definitely cause some problems, but, um, but these are definitely important conversations to have. So, you know, if you are looking about, you know, looking to get into a relationship and uh, know that about yourself, whether it's asexual, low desire, or hypoactive sexual desire disorder, you know, these are things that uh, definitely you should discuss with not only your provider, but also with your potential partner so that there's no surprises. So as we get older, is this something that's going to happen? I mean, is it inevitable that it's going to happen? How do we, you know, how does age affect this? 
Yeah. So like I was talking before, you know, different changes in a woman's body can happen, which causes issues with desire, right? We were talking about genital sensation that decreases so that you need a longer stimulation for arousal to happen. It can also be that um, painful, you know, you get vaginal dryness that can happen as we get older. Um, anxiety tends to increase. So those things can definitely affect um, your desire in terms of wanting to have sex. So those are things to watch out for. Now, is it inevitable? No, absolutely not. I think that when you know about it, or if you see something like that happening, then you can definitely take steps to mitigate it, right? So if you're having, if you're experiencing vaginal dryness, use a lubricant, right? If you want to have intercourse, um, there's definitely ways to go about solving those problems. If you're having anxiety, you know, talk to your provider, perhaps you can do some mindfulness that will help with your anxiety or if you need medication, right? Do you then can go on medication? So there are definitely ways to mitigate this, uh, especially if you know that it's happening and it's causing you distress. And that's the key thing, right? Is it, if it causes the woman distress, then it's important for her to seek out treatment. Yeah, so there, should, there shouldn't be any shame to having this disorder. Of course, yes, absolutely. So if you have it, there's treatment available and it's just important to speak to your provider. Okay. So good facts. Right. Good facts. Okay, so I think that we are done here and it's been real. And remember that this is not meant to be medical advice. So if you are seeking medical advice or if you have hypoactive sexual desire disorder, please go speak with your provider and be evaluated and be treated because there are treatments that are available. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to schedule a one-on-one coaching with Dr. Lodi, please visit drsadaf.com. And until next time, this is the Muslim Sex Podcast. Podcast.